We've seen it happen over and over again. And if your aging parents can't rely on you, where can they go? If they happen to be at a point in their lives where they could use some financial assistance, whether that means simply a little guidance from you or actual financial support, our feeling is that helping them is not only a duty but a privilege. The good news is that talking about money with your family doesn't have to be hard. It may feel awkward at first, but with a little effort it gets easier. Because feelings about money are both highly personal and highly individual, no one approach will fit every family, and every situation is different, so the way in which you handle these conversations will be as unique as you are. But the payoff can be substantial. Talking about money can be very liberating and bring you closer to your family. We also feel that teaching someone to handle money and invest wisely is one of the most important things you can do. It's a skill we all need for our entire lives, and it is, in our experience, central to success. By broaching the subject and encouraging the conversation, you give those you care about, whether older or younger, whether related or not, a wonderful gift. Remember that expression, talk is cheap? Well, it is our strong belief that when it comes to talking about money with your family, talk is priceless. We've been in the investment business for over 60 years between the two of us. As a result, we can talk all day about asset allocation and investment strategies and actually enjoy it. But when it comes to more personal family issues about money, the conversation gets ticklish. Even now, we still often fall back on shop talk, discussions about the market or a new service the company is offering, instead of dealing with more personal issues. Clearly, we don't have all the answers, at least not yet. We wrote this book not because we're experts on family communication, but because we believe the topic is essential. We're father and daughter and working parents who have made talking to our spouses, parents, and kids about finances a priority. Our promise to you is that this book will point the way while introducing you to the facts and figures you'll need to feed the dialogue. Anyone, including you and your loved ones, can learn how to manage his or her money effectively. You just have to make it a priority. Our goal is to turn all adults in the country into confident investors who use their money to support their dreams and the dreams of their families. It is our intent and our hope to give you enough in these pages to take on the subject with confidence. The primary text is written by Kerry, with Chuck contributing his two cents throughout. In addition to getting you up to speed on money-related basics, from investing to retirement planning to estate planning, we'll give you tips and insights that will get your crucial conversations started. And then it's up to you. Remember, this won't happen overnight. It's a process and a journey, not a single event. One final thought before we begin. In the recent past, we have experienced unprecedented world events and extreme stock market volatility. If there is one lesson that we have learned from these times, it is the value of reaching out to our loved ones. In fact, we believe strongly that during uncertain times we need to talk to each other more than ever. So just take the first step, even if it's a ten-minute conversation over lunch. Once you have that first conversation, which is often the hardest, you're on your way. We applaud your efforts, and we wish you the greatest success. Carrie Schwab Pomerantz and Charles R. Schwab Chapter 1 
Starting the Conversation When Pete, a longtime colleague of ours, married his wife Eleanor in 1973, it would have been safe to assume that she, being a banker, would handle the finances, while he, then a schoolteacher, would take a back seat. Then their son was born with a disability, and the couple decided that Eleanor should quit her job and stay home with him. Once Pete, who had returned to graduate school and obtained his MBA, became the only breadwinner, he also inherited the financial decision-maker role. At the same time, Pete, a generous, jovial, and articulate man, turned into quite the spender, thinking nothing of buying an expensive suit that he'd wear only two or three times. To compensate for his champagne taste in clothes, Eleanor, when she shopped at all, would do so at discount stores, a detail she kept from Pete who would have been horrified. Sure, her husband's income had shot up, but so had his appetite for luxuries, including high-priced cars. We moved to California from New York, and I saw everyone driving around in BMWs, explains Pete with a self-deprecating laugh and the kind of regret that only hindsight can bring. I thought that must be the state car, so I went out and bought one. Over the next fifteen years, he bought another, and another, and another, just as soon as the mileage on the old car passed twenty thousand, or a newer model captured his fancy. Despite hefty sports car price tags, he never thought to consult his wife about those or any other purchases. That attitude, combined with an overall lack of communication, almost cost Pete his marriage. Since the couple never discussed money, let alone a savings or an investment strategy, Pete never knew how increasingly resentful his highly educated wife, who had spent ten years in the banking industry, was becoming about her lack of participation in the family finances or Pete's spending decisions. Pete and Eleanor may have avoided facing their issues, but they couldn't escape the downfall of their marriage. After a separation of several months, the couple decided that divorce was inevitable, and together they headed to a financial planner to figure out how to split their assets. But, unlike so many similar stories, this one has a happy ending. You guys obviously care about and love each other, the financial planner observed one afternoon, after numerous joint meetings. What are you doing getting a divorce? Thus prompted, Pete and Eleanor asked themselves the same question, and subsequently decided to try to work out their differences. After months of marriage counseling and a lot of hard work, Pete and Eleanor learned how to communicate with each other about money and everything else. They identified what was important to them as individuals and as a couple. The upshot? At 47, Pete quit his job to devote himself full-time to the non-profit international health-related causes about which he's passionate. Investments they've made together now finance their lifestyle, one in which they agree on each and every sizable purchase as a team. Though I'm ashamed of my past behavior, I'm also proud of our courage to stick it out, says Pete. It's so much easier to walk away from very difficult issues than to confront them head on. I am the better and we are the stronger for it. Pete and Eleanor's new financial policies and procedures, along with their ongoing discussions about values and priorities, led to their recently building a dream house in Sun Valley, Idaho. In almost 30 years of marriage, this is the first major purchasing decision we ever made together, admits Pete. In short, 
Pete and Eleanor now make a point of dealing with their life together and their money as equal partners. Once every three months, they meet with their financial advisor to review their finances and make or revise their money decisions for the next six months. Then they go out to a nice restaurant and discuss their decisions and plans. What better way to reaffirm your love for each other than to talk about the life you're living now and your dreams for the future? The Emotional Side of Money As Pete and Eleanor's story so vividly shows, talking about money can allow you to build the life you want. In fact, we believe that financial security begins with a conversation, whether between spouses, between a parent and a child, or between an adult and an aging parent. But these conversations aren't easy, especially in the beginning. Most of us are used to chatting casually about the stock market or mortgage rates, but when it comes to candid personal conversations about how much money we'll need for retirement or how we'll possibly be able to pay for our children's college educations, the talk is much tougher. In a wealthy country where millions of investors have money in the stock market, there is still a desperate shortage of honest, candid talk about how we should be planning for the future. And unfortunately, as Pete and Eleanor's story also points out, not communicating about financial matters, from spending to investing to planning for the future, is an almost surefire way to undermine a relationship. So why, despite the obvious payoff and the equally obvious price of avoidance, do most people neither initiate nor participate in these essential family conversations about money? Because money is never just money, especially in the context of a family. For start